piece on the wide. What's up, guys? Welcome to uh, the show. For this episode, I brought on Mikey Taylor, who is a professional skateboarder and now turned uh, entrepreneur. But basically what we talk about in this episode is basic entrepreneurial skills that anyone should acquire and then really just his journey uh, step by step and how he got to where he is. Um, But that's really what you will find in this episode. I think that it's a really applicable episode for anybody looking to uh, invest and grow a business of any sort. So hope you enjoy this one. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show, of course. Um, share it with friends, share it in friend groups or text messages, uh, whatever you can, just so I can reach more people uh, with this information if you like it. Uh, but with all that stuff, I uh, hope you enjoy this episode. Mikey, you ready to rock and roll? Ready to rock. Let's do it, bro. All right, so uh, Mikey, just quickly uh, introduce yourself here so I know a little bit about you, who you are, what you do, and then we can uh, go from there. Okay, my name is Mikey Taylor. Uh, I started off as a pro skateboarder. I did that for about 15 years, which was amazing. Uh, My challenge, though, was my passion turned into my career, but my career wasn't uh, long-lived. And so I had to figure out what life was going to look like after skateboarding. And for me, I picked the entrepreneurial journey of kind of starting my own companies. And that led to one, the creation of St. Archer, which was a craft brewery that we started in 2012. And then my newest company I started is called Commune Capital. And we are a private equity investment firm. And we manage three uh, different real estate portfolios. Awesome. So throughout this interview, we're going to be diving deep into obviously uh, all those things in depth. But to start out, I want to start a little bit with skateboarding and then we move our way into the entrepreneurial side of it, how you got into that, uh, what that looked like. So to start, before we do any of that, I want to ask just a random question so we get off on the right foot. (laughs) So it does have to do with skateboarding, obviously, so it's applicable. While skating, what was the craziest thing that you saw in your career, either amateur, pro, just any situation that was the craziest you remember? So surreal. If you could just tell us that story, I think that it would be pretty pretty enjoyable for us. Oh man, the most surreal moment for me was uh, the first time I went to this guy Kareem Campbell's house. And if anybody played Tony Hawk Pro Skateboarder, you would know Kareem Campbell. For people who like grew up skateboarding, he's like, you know, one of the biggest legends. And we ended up getting sponsored, me and three of my friends got sponsored by his company, which was City Stars. And he had a house in the valley. So uh, I remember we got invited to go to his house and we walk in and like, it's me, my friend, Justin, and my friend, Paul. And we're like, we're like little kids, giddy. Like, oh my God, we're at Kareem Campbell's <laughs> house, right? And so he's like, what's up? Like we meet him and then we like sit on the couch and we're like frozen, like not doing anything, right? <laughs> and, and Kareem's like talking, there's people coming in and out. All of a sudden Kareem like leaves the room for whatever reason. And my friend Justin's like, yo, look, look on the coffee table. And I'm like, what is it? And he had a check from uh tony hawk pro skateboarder like a residual check and it was just sitting on his couch it was like eighty thousand bucks or something like that (laughs) and we're like eighty thousand (laughs) dollars we thought that was like pro skateboarding was the life man it was crazy it was a little bit different than what we originally saw but uh that was a pretty cool experience yeah oh my gosh i can only imagine sitting there how old were you at that time uh i think i was 18 oh wow 
Dang. So, so Mikey, just continuing with the skateboarding career, I feel like it'd be most applicable to relate this to younger entrepreneurs, uh, people that listen to this show. If we could start rather about obviously the techniques of skateboarding, what it takes to be a good skateboarder. I think that the, the stuff that it teaches you is something that can be applied to life and anything with progressing because, yeah. you know, I've, I've skated. I wouldn't say I'm anything great, but I can ride a bowl or two and drop okay. in on, on a two foot drop maybe. So, but I do know that skating definitely is crazy hard to learn. You go through a lot, not just with your body, but obviously mentally you put it in a lot of time, just like anything mm. else. So for you, yep. just, I guess to start, start this out, why don't you give us like two of the things that you thought skating gave you that set you up for where you are now? If, if anything, tell us about the lessons that you learned. Okay. Um, so it, it's interesting, almost, you know, 90% of, I think the, the skill or discipline that was instilled in me to then succeed at business was all from skateboarding. So the, the first one being skateboarding is so hard. It is so difficult. Oh my God. And so what happens is it takes, you know, it took me six months of trying to learn how to ollie. That's the first trick you learn. That's when you jump and the board sticks yeah. with you, right? Six months of trying it. And then I finally do it one time. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I just spent half a year, but I figured it out, right? <laughs> then the next trick that you figure out is a kickflip. Took me another six months. So it took me two years of trying every single day. And then I learned two, two tricks, right? And so you get to a point where like, oh, okay, well, it's, it's got to just become easier as you get better, right? Fast forward to me performing at my highest level, as good as I could possibly be at, a, at skateboarding. 99.9% was me trying tricks. It was only, you know, 0.1% of a point, 10% of a point of me actually landing it. So I, what I learned was failure is just part of the process to succeed. If I want to learn something, I have to be willing to go through the multiple times of messing up until I get to experience one time. And with skateboarding, it took so long that it just instilled that normalcy of messing up, which I think was incredible. So that was one. Two, I think another part, and this kind of moved more into becoming a pro skateboarder, is <clears throat> becoming a pro skateboarder is incredibly hard. All of your friends tell you it's possible. Your parents telling you it's impossible. Everything around you is saying you can't do this, right? And having to essentially, you know, eliminate or mute the noise and just go all the way in on your belief system that you can do this uh, that is very, very similar to starting a business. Business feels the same way. It feels like nothing's working. It feels like everybody's doubting you. And a lot of times you're going crazy, you know, trying to maintain this confidence that you can do it. And it, it becomes a mental war. Same thing happened with skateboarding. So I would say those are the two similarities or, or things that crossed over into what I do now. Yeah. Do you think that that can come from any extracurricular activity? not just skateboarding? The, the push through to succeed, I think applies to anything that you're going to do where you want to be great at it. So I, for me, yeah. it was just skateboarding, but you could pick anything, right? You can pick conventional sports. You can pick art. You can pick music. For you to break yeah. through and you to be great, it's going to take you going against the, the norm, against the mold, and ignoring everybody else and staying focused on that drive, right? That crosses yeah. over. You know, I think the thing that's unique to skateboarding where some of the other things don't have is you can get hurt every time you step on the skateboard. 
So exactly. you're not only trying to, you know, <laughs> combat the failure element, but you're trying to remove your, your thinking because you're, yeah. you know, you're, you're having to block the fear to allow your body to still do it. So that might be something exactly. that's unique to skating. Yeah. And I honestly think that with that, just going through my life, I feel like being in the uncomfortable zone is definitely where growth, not just in business, not just in entrepreneurship or anything of the above, but it, it just helps you in life progress to yeah. where you want to be to just get you happy, right. even if that's doing that's whatever right. you want. So even with skating that like for me, when I do skate, I'm like, wow, this is, this is exaggerating that, that part of my mentality especially yeah. for me and for anyone out there, it doesn't have to be any, it could be literally anything that just puts you in that mentality. So That's Mikey, right. uh, so to move on here, I wanted to, um, I think that it's applicable to ask this as of this point. So the video on uh, commune, the, the, the mm -hmm. website there that you have for the business, how you went from zero to finding financial success. I, I watched yeah. that video. I wanted to ask a question uh, about it. You said that growing up, you didn't know that you could have everything in your life until you kind of saw what you could do and you got out of your shell and you're like, there's a whole world of opportunities. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so with that, I feel like for people listening to this show in the same mentality, knowing what you have been through, what, what would you tell them to also do that you may have done to have them get in the same position? Is there anything that you would tell them to do to be able to get that way and overcome that mentality? Of, of obviously having that distilled in their mind, what would you, what would you tell them? I, I would say it's probably very similar to what you just touched on about comfort, right? Making sure we're always uncomfortable in, 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 in reminding ourselves that we will all, our body without our, our, our brain realizing it's happening, will always try to put ourselves towards comfort, right? But comfort is flatline. Comfort means you're not improving. So a lot of times what happens is, and I'll, I'll answer the question, the question, but a lot of times when, when we're scared or when we're challenging ourselves, we have this gut feeling that's saying, ah, I don't like this, right? And we take that as, oh my gosh, I shouldn't be doing this. But what our gut is really telling us is this is new. We don't know how to do this yet, but this is a sign of improvement. So it's really good to always be kind of auditing yourself to make sure that you always are pushing yourself and that you always are uncomfortable, right? The, the part of, of the video that you're referring to was the realization that I had that we all set the bar based on what we think is possible. And the only thing that separates what I accomplish or what you accomplish or anyone around us is, is how high we set the bar for ourselves, right? And so a lot of times, like when I was growing up, I, I, I didn't, you know, when somebody was like super successful or doing really well, I just thought they were, they, they were more equipped than me. They just, they, they had a skill set that I didn't possess. And what I ended up learning was it was just all based on a belief system of what they thought they could do. And so when you realize that it's all in your head, then you start telling yourself, well, what's stopping me from raising the bar to the next level? If it's all in my head, why do I put it here and not one level up? or three levels up. Exactly. So, so, so really what it comes down to, I think, is when we're growing up, and this could be based on experience or something that our parents taught us or whatever, we build this idea of, of what is possible, why it's possible, and what that success limit is, right? That doesn't mean it's truth. 
that doesn't mean it's reality. It means that's what we put together in our head. So exactly. for me, I had to actually learn how to rewire or, or change some of the beliefs that I had when I was young. And a lot of them had to do with money, actually. It wasn't necessarily uh, what I thought was possible. It was more wrapping my head around what success was because I pretty much capped myself at like middle class. If I yeah. could get to middle class, this is the ultimate success. And, you know, making $10,000 a month is an insane amount of money, right? And I'm not saying that that's not an insane amount of money, but that's just where I put the bar for myself. So I had to like rework some things and go, why isn't 20,000 possible? Why isn't 50,000 possible? Why isn't 100,000 possible? And, and even that thought process, like if anybody's listening going, yeah, $100,000 a month, like this dude's crazy. There it is. That's it right there. That's what we're talking about, right? It's it's yeah. this bar that we set and and I had to realize, well, what's stopping me from setting it higher? Exactly, 100%. So Mikey, with that, what do you think that if I'm going to walk out or anyone's going to walk out of this room with that knowledge, what is the first thing they should do to be able to have that mentality of questioning it and really believing that? Is it getting uncomfortable? What would you say to that? Okay, so th this is something I also learned with, with skateboarding is... <laughs> that <laughs> if you tell yourself a lie enough times, you start to believe it. And what I would have to do yep. is I would be scared to try a trick. So I would just tell myself, you can do this. You can do this. I didn't believe I could do it. I truthfully didn't believe I could do it. I would just tell yep. myself I could do it. And sooner than later, my body would go, oh, yeah, shit, I can do it, right? So Literally. start lying to yourself. Seriously, if, if, if like, let, let, let's just use the, the money example and, and money's not the, the end all be all. I'm just using it for the example, right? If your bar right now is I want to make a hundred thousand dollars a year, that's as much as I'm going to make, right? Tell yourself you want to make a million bucks a year and in, inside you're going to go, okay, sure. I'm going to tell myself I make a million dollars. Just lie to yourself. Wake up every morning, write that thing on a piece of paper five times. I'm going to make a million dollars a year. Tell yourself over and over and over. And yep. what happens is you start to believe the lie and then the lie becomes reality. And then boom, all of a sudden you're making money going, holy crap, this stuff actually works. So get yep. really conditioned at lying to yourself. <laughs> I think that also with that is just consistency. Like keep on banging that door, keep on going, keep on just never stop that. Like you can't ever stop. It's consistency. I've heard so much times on this show with entrepreneurs is patience. Consistency will win the battle if you just stick yes. with it. So tied along with that, I think it's perfect for anyone to implement right after obviously listening to that. So Mikey, to continue with the entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurial journey though, I wanted to start obviously with square one so we can get off on the right foot is just how you got into entrepreneurship after skateboarding. From what I know, uh, you had, you had a mentor when you were pro skating, uh, kind of, I'm, I'm not really aware of the whole story, but you had the mentor when you were skating and then you moved more towards him working with him just in an entrepreneurial space. So adding on to that, what, uh, did you do to start in the entrepreneurial space? What did that look like for you? Okay. The, really the first company that we started was St. Archer and that was created because of my mentor and he would basically always tell me things like you need to invest in yourself. Your greatest return will always be when you invest in yourself. Right. And I was like, okay, well, what does that mean? <laughs> and so he would say, look, you need to put money into areas that will help you make more money. 
put money into areas that will help your career go longer, more longevity in your career, right? And so when he started basically putting that in my mind, I was like, okay, cool. So one, I need to figure out what I can do to get my sponsors to pay me more. But if I'm going to talk about longevity, what I really need is to own the brands that I'm marketing so that when I'm done skateboarding, everything that I built carries on. And so that was the, I need to start my own brands. Yeah. And so when we came up with the idea for St. Archer, me and my two partners didn't know business. We knew marketing. We knew how to resonate with an audience. We knew how to sell product because we were pro skateboarders. And the only thing that basically separated one board company from the other was the storytelling. It was all the same product, exactly. right? So when we went to start it, uh, we didn't know what to do. So we called my mentor. We're like, Randy, how do we do this? He's like, what are you guys going to do? We gave him our idea and he was like, okay, where's your business plan? We were like, uh, I, I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> do a business plan. So he helps us do a business plan, helps us with our financial models. We basically realize that we have to raise money to do it. He helps us basically create everything and then also teaches us how to raise money. Basically how to pitch an investment, the questions that investors are going to ask you how you respond to ultimately build confidence that they trust, you know, <laughs> us, two skaters yeah. and a filmmaker in, in managing their money and then <laughs> building out this vision. And that's basically how we started was through him. And then once we started the business, there was so much learning that went into it for all of us. It, it was a crash course on how to <laughs> run a business without having any real experience running a business in a sense. And yeah. then that just kept moving into the next thing and the next thing. So from there, I, I've started about nine companies from the point of St. Archer till now. Not all of them have been successful, but I've learned throughout the way. And then that ultimately left when my career ended, starting my new career and this just being the sole focus of what I'm doing. Prior to yeah. Commune, which is my new company, everything else I was doing as a pro skateboarder. So I was still a pro skateboarder and creating businesses. Yeah. So in the beginning, obviously it sounds like the, the mentor was a huge factor, just getting things kicked off, knowing what paths to take, what to focus on to make sure you're going to be successful there. So to, to get to the origins of, of the mentor and being able to have that, where would you recommend that someone in the same spot as you uh, would go to look for a mentor? Say they're not a pro skater, they wouldn't have uh, huge amounts of resources, where, where would be like the, the first thing they would look at to find someone that can just help them answer their questions? What would you do if you were in that situation? What would you tell them? So you have two approaches now. One, you can do like a real life mentor like I had, or you can do a digital mentor, right? If you want a real life mentor, uh, the best thing I think to do, one would be go through your phone and text every single person you know, right? A mass text message. And say, hey, I really want to get it. Let's say real estate. I really want to get, I'm really starting to get into real estate. Do you know any real estate investors? And what's going to happen is you're going to reach out to everyone in your contact book. They're going to think of everybody in their network and go, yeah, there's going to be somebody who goes, yeah, I actually exactly. do know a couple guys. Would you mind connecting me? And now all of a sudden you're connected with somebody doing the thing you want to do. And now you go, hey, dude, I'm really interested in doing this. Is there any way I could shadow you? Can I just like spend some time with you? I'll do whatever you need. I'll work for you for free, whatever. All I want to do is be around you, right? That's one approach. Yeah. The other approach is there's a lot of people on online now where you can have kind of a digital mentor. I didn't go through that approach. So I'm, I'm less 
uh, experience on how to go about doing that. But I love the idea of reaching out to your, to your contacts. If you're in, uh, if you want like real estate, for example, there's so many little meetups that happen now. There's real estate meetups that happen in every city, right? Get involved in them, start going to the meetups, start meeting people and start building relationships. And you are gonna find somebody doing the thing that you want to do. And then that's yep. the, ultimately the perfect mentor, right? Yeah, I feel like even with the first steps, like that might be the hardest thing. What I've realized is getting that initial step. It then exponentiates from everything I've heard, not just obviously with what you're saying, but you use those connections, you use what you found out there. And there's two roads, three roads that split off that you can take and explore. And then those split off more. Okay. So it's really just about that one first step is huge. So like, I can't even, I, I believe with you hundred percent there. So that's right. So Mikey, to, to continue with the story of your entrepreneurial journey in the beginning here, when you did start that company initially, the first company after your, your pro skateboarding career or when you were still in it, what was the next huge step for you that you remember as a checkpoint where you said, I got a $10,000 check from an investor. Uh, tell us that story of what you remember as being like, this is definitely a huge step for me. And I, I feel like I can actually do this. What, what was that? Okay. So we get everything in order to raise money, right? But yeah. we don't have a business unless we raise the money. So we had basically two benchmarks or we had one benchmark that we needed to cross to have a business. We had a goal of what we we're trying to raise. So we, our first round, we raised about two and a half million dollars. We needed a million and a half to do it at the smaller scale. Two and a half is how we wanted to do it. Right. So I remember uh, my partner, Josh called me when we got the official million five in, he was like, dude, we're going to have a business. We're going to get a shot at this. Yeah. So that was like a, a, a kind of a big benchmark where we realized we were actually going to get the opportunity to try to build this thing out. And then we ended up getting the full two and a half million, which was awesome. So that was yeah. a huge uh, benchmark for us. I think the next one would be us actually opening doors. And then the third one would be seeing our product in stores. That would probably be the evolution of like, damn, damn, damn. <laughs> Okay, so Mikey, just so I understand, right, this was a skateboarding company. You guys sold boards and other accessories to skateboards. Is that correct? This was, we did beer. We had a production beer. craft brewery. Yeah. Uh, I do a skateboard company called Sovereign, but that came after okay. St. Archer. Okay. So, so with the, with the initial company, the beer that you had, right, when you did open doors, obviously it's a huge moment for sourcing. Like when someone walks in, it's like, wow, this is a, great thing. This is amazing. Like the branding, uh, the design to break it down, I guess, what, what did you do to find, uh, you can give this in like a summary. You don't have to describe every little detail, but to like get the design to get the distributors, the manufacturers of all this stuff, did it take a lot of work? Was there stuff that you did to obviously pursue it successfully? What, what could you tell us as an insider knowledge there that really helps you open the doors, get what you needed product wise? And, and yeah. Everything. Yeah. So I would say, uh, yes, it was an insane amount of work because everything yeah. that goes into building something just to get it to launch is brutal. And <laughs> then the second the doors open, now it becomes a whole new type of hard, right? But there's, they're equally a lot of work for us. It was kind of the spiral effect. Actually, we got connected with, uh, it all started with an artist or a graphic designer that was going to help us create the brand identity and he was down in san diego and he had a relationship with somebody who was a brewer and then that basically connected yeah. us with 
who became our first head brewer. And then it connected us to who became our salesperson. And it was just like all these relationships started happening in the beginning. But I will say this, our original group of how many was it? Eight, I think there's eight people when we started the company. By the, by the end of the first year, all eight of those people were gone. So wow. with your first one, uh, and, and this is something that now has become easier as we've kind of done this longer and longer is you're just trying to find anybody that's going to help you build this thing. But we went into an industry where we didn't have any real relationships. We didn't have a ton of experience. So we didn't really know who the great people were that we could even make an attempt at bringing into our team until we had already been in business for a year. So in the beginning, just know that there's going to be a lot of change that happens and you're constantly going to be reworking what you thought the plan was going to be because it never goes according to plan. And then as you start getting into now your second company, third company, fourth company, you start building more and more relationships. And then it makes it easier to reach out to the team first, build the A team while you're building basically the, the creation of the company. And then you're able to hit the ground running with the set when, when it's time to launch. Does that make sense? Yeah. hundred percent. I think again, it's just like exponentiating the factors of business. Like That's once right. you get dirty, like once you get down and dirty, you, you understand that there's a lot more you can work off of than just, right. than just ground zero. So that's right. That's right. So, so Mikey, I do want to get your opinion on this though, for, uh, the early stages of this company here, obviously you were looking for the right people to help you. And all you had really was your storytelling, uh, your vision and everything of that sort. So f- for you, did, did you feel like persuasion sales? being able to communicate, tell a good story was a huge factor for you in the beginning, or was it not so much of a huge driving factor to success? How important was it for you and your, in your journey? Uh, everything. Uh, one of the largest factors, the largest factors. And, and my partner, Josh, he has just this natural ability to paint a picture, to captivate you, <laughs> And to get you in, right? God-given gift. And, and that was even at a time where, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm naturally good at storytelling. This was before I even started paying attention to influence or using words to push a message that will give you a higher percentage of people saying yes, right? I'm green at this point. And I'm just watching yeah. him going, this is incredible. This is incredible, right? <laughs> but you have to have that in the beginning, especially when it's your first company. Because remember, you are getting people on board based on the vision, right? You don't have anything in, in real life yet. So for people to get on board the mission, to get on board the journey, they have to fully get behind what it is that you're going to do. And if you can't communicate that in a way that gets people to go, I'm willing to take this risk, let's do this, then you're not ever going to get anybody to help you. And without help, business yeah. is really hard. Exactly. So kind of an applicable question here for, for people listening. When uh, you say, obviously what you say, what could we do to learn that as of now, as of this moment, if we turn this episode off, this interview off, is there a book we should read? What is that, what is that thing that we should do if we're going to get up and act on it? Yeah. So one of the, one of the biggest books I read, and I need to it sounds awful saying it, but it's actually, <laughs> it's a book. It's called Influence by uh, uh, Robert Cialdini. And he's basically the godfather of persuasion, right? Yeah. And 
you, the reason I said I kind of hedged against it is you have to be careful with this book because it gives you basically skills that you can hone in to take advantage of people. That's where you have to be very careful of it, right? But the, the, the but to it is when it, when it comes to marketing, right? Everything in marketing is how do you communicate a message so people get on board? So what, how, basically how I used the book was what could I take in that that I can imply to the way I'm storytelling to get people on board, not to take advantage of them, right? <laughs> because it'll give you a lot of examples of ways that salespeople will get you to say yes where you don't want to say yes, uh, which I think is yeah. good. You then looking back as the consumer, you know the strategy that somebody's putting on you where you can, you know, yeah. botch it instead of it it getting you. But that's a phenomenal book. Uh, the other book yeah. is, oh gosh, what's it called? I'm blanking on it. How to Win Friends and- Influence People? that's right. How to win friends, influence people. Phenomenal book as well. Cool. Yeah. I know that a lot of what I've heard is, uh, with this in particular, like we're saying with skateboarding, it's just kind of getting down and dirty and be like, okay, well, here's what I've learned now. I need to just do it once and learn from that experience. And so I feel like along with that, you should definitely implement it as much as humanly possible and hit it consistently. So um, well, so I think key. too, something you just kind of touched on real quick, just to add to it, it's all about yeah. doing and perfecting, right? A lot of people just never yeah. make the first step. And then once they do make the first step, it doesn't go the way they want. Then they stop consistency and you, and you continuing to drive forward is what brings success. Right. And just know that you're going to learn and tweak. Like if you go back to like the, even with my newest company, the first pitch that we made on raising money, dude. It was a shit show. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like even in the last four years, I've learned so much, right? So just know that you can't make improvement if you don't just put yourself in the position yes. to fail, you know? Yes, 100%. I think that people can't understand that enough. And that goes back to the fact where it's like, okay, well, you have to be comfortable with fear. You have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. That's right. Because you can never get to that point if you never, ever get like the mentality of, you just have to send, you have to send it quite honestly. Right. And so that's right. So Mikey to, to continue on with uh, the, the entrepreneurial journey of yourself, when, when you did start commune, let's go, let's go to this company that you're running currently. Was this just solely built off connections in the, in the beginning when you decided to start this, you said, I know this guy, I know this guy, let's talk about this business idea. We started it. How did that, how did this business start uh, in particular? So this one was actually a little bit more challenging for me because I was moving into an industry that was completely foreign again, right? Where <clears throat> I went from selling product in, in an arena where action sports played a part. Right. Even with beer, like our whole thing with beer was marketing this California lifestyle. Right. And a lot of skaters drank beer. It, it seemed more fitting, even though we had to yeah. learn everything we did in the craft beer industry, moving into the investment world. Uh, it, it, it was like brand new. Okay. Like even my connections <laughs> that I've built to this point, I don't even know how that applies into this world. So in the beginning it, you know, I created the business plan. Uh, I had a meeting with Randy to basically educate me on everything I didn't know in this world. I was like, Randy, this is what I want to do. This is my mission, vision, et cetera. Yep. What do I need to know about fund management? Who are the people that I need to bring in to help me build out this vision, right? And so he was like, well, look, dude, 
instead of you going, instead of me telling you who to go hire, like we did with St. Archer, uh, why don't we have a conversation about doing this together? We, we already offer what it is that you're going out to look for. So dude, let's just do this together. So basically yeah. long story short, we end up starting the company together. This was at the beginning of 2017. And so, you know what, in the beginning I was like, okay, I'm starting over as far as relationships. Like this is a world I don't know. Then what I was able to do is I started bringing people in from the skateboard industry, but in a different area than I originally thought. So, you know, with, with real estate or with fund management, it's a lot of operation and analytic base, right? You're managing money, you're managing assets, but because of the brand, the brand component, there was a certain purpose that I wanted our content to fulfill. So I brought people from the skateboard industry in to be on the creative side to help me have a fresh outlook on real estate investing. Uh, even yeah. though they, they didn't know anything about investing, anything about money, that was a way that I could bring people in that didn't. Uh, and then on the investing side, I had to, I had to make new relationships. That, that, this, that was a world that was completely foreign to me. Yeah. When you did, when you obviously jumped into this, this market where you were uh, investing in real estate, did you, to learn more, did you go to Google? Did you read books again to learn about the space to be able to do it correct? What did you do to just be able to learn that uh, area? Dude, I was consuming as much information as I could get my hands on. It was like, I was listening to four or five different podcasts. It was audio, uh, audible, audibleing my face off. Hitting up, hitting up people that were in the industry. Hey, dude, can I spend the day with you? Asking questions. It was, it was just, where can I yep. get information? And I spent probably, let's see, when we started, so we started the company beginning of 17. We didn't go out and raise money until that summer. So I had seven months of just basically as we are getting the company prepared to launch, just absorbing information. And then also my partners yep. were, were in the industry. My partners had been in real estate for over 30 years. So I had them to go, okay, dude, what is this? How does this work? I would learn something, call them. Hey, so I don't understand. Like some, for example, <laughs> in real estate, there are so many cool tax incentives, right? Yeah. And I didn't understand why. Hey, dude, can you walk me through this like depreciation thing? And like, how can you like, what is this bonus depreciation? How does this work? How do I generate <laughs> loss? Like it was a whole new world, right? But I was able to basically learn it. And then if I had questions, ask people who were actually doing it to then fine tune it. And yeah. then all of a sudden I'm in it now experiencing in real life. Yeah. I think for, for someone that is just about getting started, they're, they're going to learn this. If it's real estate, for example, what I would do in my mind. And I think that this is something that has worked because it's worked before is you, you would do audible, you'd read books, podcasts, do as much learning as you possibly can. And then you'd use social, social uh, media sites where you say, this person's a real estate expert or whatever. And I'd say, Hey, I just have a couple of questions. That's Possibly right. I could just come shadow you. And then you ask questions of what you've learned and then they That's teach right. you. It's just kind of like learn. It's taking that next step when you meet up someone and then you learn more about what they've done. And I think it's just, again, just, it, it exponentiates like we mentioned before. And so I think that's a path that is applicable for anybody. So Mikey, I do want to digress from the entrepreneurial journey to ask this question, which kind of rewinds in the story. But in that video as well of what I watched about uh, you getting out of the mentality of I'm, I'm limited. Uh, it mentioned that you had a financial advisor when you were younger. 
give you advice about how to manage money, even like the hundred bucks that your parents gave you for allowance and stuff. Yep. So for people that are younger, wanting to have financial freedom and they're interested, is a financial advisor something you'd recommend or require? What, what would you tell them to do if they're thinking about doing that? How do they do it properly? What should they do? Okay, so when it comes to succeeding with your finance, you have two options. You either hire the education or you educate yourself. Those are the only two options, right? I had a financial advisor because my path was skateboarding. And, and on top of that, my dad was paranoid or scared about me being a pro skateboarder. So he really wanted guidance to help me basically position myself through this journey, right? So yeah. I was in a position to be able to hire the help. Not everybody's in that position because with a financial advisor, you pay them for their services, right? Yeah. So the rule of thumb is until you get to the point of it making sense to hire the education, that is when you educate yourself manage your own finances. It typically happens at, once you have about $25,000 of, of assets or, or money ready to deploy uh, into investments, that's kind of where it makes sense to get an advisor. Then you can make the choice to get one or not. Uh, and, and, and it really comes down to a personality thing. Like there's some people that want to manage their own money. There's other people that want help managing it. Uh, and then there's some that want like a hybrid role. And that's basically what happened for me. I had somebody come in uh, he managed my money, helped me build everything, but also taught me and educated me about money. And then I got to the point where I was like, wow, I really know how to do this, but still yeah. wanted the team built to help me manage that while I focused on what my passion was after skateboarding, which was creating business. Yeah, for sure. So, so Mikey, because we are uh, coming up on time here, I, I do want to finish up with just a couple of questions. Um, one being uh, a general question just about, characteristics of entrepreneurship and business people um, for you if someone does come to you and say look I just want to know the one attribute that I need to perfect to be able to be where I want to be in the future with entrepreneurship and business what's that one attribute that you that you tell them to focus in on hone down and and perfect to at least ensure that they can reach success uh, that they're, that they're wanting. What's that one attribute? Wow. What a phenomenal question. <laughs> oh man. <It's> toughy. <laughs> the one attribute. <sighs> Holy crap. There's so many <laughs> that go through my mind. The one though, I would say you have to, you have to make sure that people trust you. You have to you have to be somebody that that shows enough character that people trust what you're doing, and without that, I I don't think you're going to have any longevity in anything you do, business, relationships, life, anything. Yeah, I think you can tell me if I'm wrong here, but I feel like wealth comes from longevity and the value you give, rather than just making a lot of money off one product or right. capitalizing on something that's hot right now. That's longevity right. with what you know, what you can provide and how you can leverage your money is way more important. Do mm. you think that's true or is there something you want to add to that? No, I, I think you just nailed it. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's all reputation, right? It's building a reputation that people trust or people respect. Yeah. hundred percent. So Mikey, to, to finish off here, if you just want to give us any links or places to go to find you, uh, we can say goodbye after that. 
Okay, you can find me on pretty much any social platform. It's just at Mikey Taylor. That's my TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn, everything. And then if you want information on our company, our company website is communecapital.com. And then on all the platforms, it's at Commune Capital. All right, guys, communecapital.com and then Mikey Taylor on just about every social platform. Uh, go check him out. I'm sure that every social platform, especially TikTok, I haven't looked at any of your TikToks yet, but I know that they're probably super dope. So I got to go check that out. <laughs> I'm, look, I spend more time on TikTok than any platform. That gives there we go. Up on. That's right. You have to. I mean, it's such, a, it's such a good thing for engagement. So, I mean, why not leverage that? So Yeah, that's right. All right, Mikey, thank you so much. I appreciate it again. It was awesome meeting you, and, and this was great. So, Heck yeah, brother. Thank you. Special and present of the fighters. Hope you guys uh, enjoyed this episode uh, with myself and Mikey uh, Taylor. Um, obviously, go visit the show notes to find all the resources and links to Mikey to be able to find him, follow him, uh, and his stuff. Uh, besides all that, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Uh, it goes a long way for myself and this and other people as well to find this information. So, uh, with all that being said, though, I will see you guys on uh, the next episode.